Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. So we are back at The Preventable with Ryan and Kenna Joe, and this has happened once before, actually, where the conversation was so good, we just had to keep it going. Um, so I don't, this isn't something that happens a lot. So I, I just, I'm intrigued, and I think a lot of other people are too, because it's it's a relatively new field. It's not a new concept though, right? Like the idea of peer support is not new. I mean, if anything, we talk about peer pressure, we know about the importance of peers and yeah. how they can kind of make or break you and so it's really fascinating how this is emerging as a field yeah we've always tried to help each other and be there for each other as peers it just wasn't labeled anything exactly. it takes a team to stay sober yeah it really it, does it, it really does and There's you no you're part person. of the team yeah absolutely. so what how when we last spoke kind you were talking about some things that your former employer did that were really helpful in helping you maintain your sobriety. I'm wondering if there's an employer who is listening right now. So we talked about going to drug court graduations. We talked about, you know, allowing space for the employee to make appointments and do things that they need to do. Are there other things that are that are maybe even a little more simple, like um, anything regarding um, access to mental health services and an EAP? Like, are there other things that employers could do that would help their employees? Absolutely. Or their um, employees' families? Absolutely. But I'm finding a lot of these employers, especially in, like, the factory industrial field, are already doing that. Oh. Yeah, they okay. offer free counseling services. You know, um, I know Buddies did do was also one of those. Um, I'm learning a lot with like my sponsees and even some of the peers I'm working with that are being able to find employment that is willing to also work around their schedule mm -hmm. and not hold them accountable if they have to leave. So it's actually, I mean, it's still very slim pickings on those, but they're out there. Yeah. You know, and they do make a huge difference because it, um, we deal a lot with guilt and shame. And when we're still having to face the consequences of our past and it's affecting our future, you know, we're constantly worried about how our employer's looking at us or if we're inconvenient or how we're bothering them. Like, that really hinders us in our, our workability, mm -hmm. our mental health, the vibe that we can bring to the table in yeah. that environment, and then also in the next environment we go into because we just walked away like, man, I probably just let them down. Mm, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I find people in recovery – or finding a path of recovery are like so motivated to just do the right thing and be the best they can be like they there are no limitations almost once they figure out that they have the ability to be capable like they just strive for more because they just want to I guess kind of make up for our past mm -hmm. like you can't really make up for it but well you want to do right yes yeah. Yeah, like it's like become your <laughs> mission almost to do right by the people that you did wrong, so to speak, or, you know, you're like, you're, it's, it's almost a form like, of amends. exactly, yes. exactly. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that employers can do with the employee, employee, employer relationship is just be open and honest with each other, you know, about your situation with legal troubles and, you know, don't, don't just 
you know, people are afraid to tell their boss that I'm in trouble for this or, you know, I had a substance use problem. But if you allow them to, you know, just be open and honest about it, then I feel like that creates trust. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're way more apt to have a better relationship with your boss if you, if they, you know, if you guys know what's going on with each other. Right. You know. Going back to my my pregnant girl that I took to treatment, mm -hmm. like she was going to have to call her boss. And she's like, how do I ask for that much time off? And I said, be honest. Yeah. And to see how responsive and encouraging and supportive her employer was about that and was like, just give me a call when you get out and we'll work on the next mm -hmm. steps. Mm -hmm. she, it like blew her mind. She started crying. She's like, yeah. I cannot believe. And I'm like, to be honest, the more we're honest with people, the more willing they are to help us. And a lot of that is fear. We don't go in there and we don't say, hey, this is what's really going on. But I will do the best I can do if you just give me a shot. And to be fair, there are some employers who you wouldn't dream of having that conversation with. Absolutely. Right? Because yeah. of their image or their bottom line or whatever. Yeah. So it definitely, I mean, it takes people in recovery to be, or with substance use disorders, to be open. But it also takes some open-mindedness and education on the part of the employer and the HR professional, right? Yeah. So to to know that it's not a moral failing or a character flaw, like this is this is a disease that yeah. needs to be managed just yeah. like other diseases. Um, and I think that's where you all and, and we at PreventEd, you know, play a part is helping educate on what is and is not a, a substance use disorder, you know, what it is and what it's not. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, our predecessors, the people who were in recovery before us, kind of led that path to show that it's worth taking the risk on someone trying to change their mm -hmm. life around. Mm -hmm. You know, they gave that example of, okay, so we've had good turnouts. Why not try some more? But it is a risk, no yeah. matter what, because we have our good days, we have our bad days. You know? Doesn't everybody? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. So you all talked a little bit about, uh, Ken and Joe specifically, you said, that people in recovery are many times are are seeking to sort of make amends and are and are willing to, you know, show you and prove to you that they can do it and that they want to do it. I'm wondering if you're if you see any patterns of the people that are coming to you that that are your peers. I mean, and and by patterns I mean things that have led them to this stage in their journey, drugs of choice. Uh, family situations like are there any patterns that you're seeing because you're really like boots on the ground yeah right we could quote data points but you're every person you meet is a data point yeah I would say the number one thing is trauma mm. they've all experienced trauma including myself and I'm sure Ken and Joe has as well I mean I never realized how big of an impact the trauma has on a person's life until I actually got this job and learned about trauma. I didn't know that was such a factor. And, you know, I I lit the ACEs uh, charts, that score. I, had, I scored an 8 out of 10 on it. And, and now looking back, it's like, wow, I never even had a chance, you know. And not to say that that's the, the reason or the excuse no. or whatever, but it also contributes to, yeah. I mean, when you're a kid and you're having traumatic event after tra traumatic event, and maybe there's a lack of like coping skills present or peer support or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that that trauma is persistent. Yeah. And then you find you try a drug and it makes you feel good. And it's or like, wow, I don't out. have to feel that. Right. I found something that 
makes me feel good. So you're, you, you, you just naturally, you do it more and more and more. And mm-hmm. that all of a sudden it takes over your life, you know? Yeah. And a lot of that too is environmental. A lot of the people, to include myself, came from a family of addiction, yeah, of alcoholism. Right. And a lot of the peers that we work with come from that too. Not all of them. Some of them yeah. come from some really good homes have dealt with their own insecurities and fears through life that led them a different path you know but between the trauma and the environmental and a lot of times our environmental is our trauma right you know like not getting the love we needed our parents never being around or just not understanding what's going on in the environment because it's not when you go to your friend's house that's not what's happening over there Mm -hmm. but why is this happening at my house Mm -hmm. you know and so and then a lot of the parents tend to use with their children as they grow older, so that becomes the family normal. Yeah. Right. Right. So trauma is what what I'm hearing. Are you hearing anything particularly with um, a particular kind of drug, or is it kind of a lot just of a little bit of everything? Is it a lot of polyuse? A lot is of meth. A lot really? of meth. Yeah, and fentanyl, of course. Mm-hmm. Meth and fentanyl are the two. I would say the top two. And we're struggling with a lot of the people who are using meth don't even know they're using fentanyl. We have people overdosing right. off yeah. meth, and they're like, I've never touched that drug yeah. in my life. But That's why it's so addictive, the meth. Are. That's why it's so hard to stop meth is because it has fentanyl in it. And deadly. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day who recreationally, it even sounds funny to say, but on the weekends uses cocaine. And, um, you know, does it with their friends to party and relieve Mm -hmm. stress. And it is a real concern that they are going to die, which is kind of nuts when you think about it because five, ten years ago. Didn't have to worry about it. You didn't really have to worry about it. And now that the supply has been so infiltrated with fentanyl, I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a real fear. And so how then – do you? I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but how do you communicate to the person who is using coke to blow off some steam, so to speak, on a Saturday night? Like, how do you? And has been maybe doing that for 15 years. How do you communicate that to them that 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 you're concerned they're going to die without yeah. sounding like an alarmist? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, just I, be a realist. Yeah. Tell them to watch the news and yeah, you see how many people news. have died, you know, yeah. each day. I mean, it's it's you're right. It's not like it was 10 years ago. You could go out, have a re, uh, reoccurrence, relapse, and you no big deal. I mean, you didn't have to worry about dying at least. But now when I have a peer that goes back out, it scares me because I don't know if he's going to come back, you know. I know. Because it's taken from them. You just never know what's going to kill you. The choice has been taken, right? Yeah. yeah, we were talking about that the other day. I said, you know, at least when I was in my active addiction, I had the choice of which drug I was using. Now people don't even have that choice anymore. They are being, s- in a very sneaky way, forced into other choices and other addictions. Mm-hmm. And and um, those walls are just closing in even more on, on their, like they don't have a voice even in their addiction at all anymore. Wow, really. I've never you thought of it I mean? like that. So interesting. Like, yeah, we don't want people using drugs, but now they don't even have the choice on what drug they're really the using what drug or use. what yeah. harm they're really creating for themselves because they don't know. Interesting. Yeah, you don't. I, I remember one time I failed the UA for my probation officer, and I thought I was just going to fail for meth. And he said I failed for MDMA, uh, fentanyl, uh, cocaine, 
Uh, I mean, like, I I, I was like, me? I thought I just did math. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, you never know what's in it these days. Right. You know, I'm right. like, well, I guess not. I am so grateful for you both individually, but also you collectively in the work that you're doing in Franklin County. Um, I know many times when we talk about you, it's like Ryan and Kenna Joe, Kenna, Kenna Joe and Ryan. But I want to know what do, what do you want for yourself in, in the next you know, five years. I'm not even going to say success because as far as I'm concerned, y'all are, you're a success story. But what do, what's the next step for you? Um, and that could be personally or professionally. You really can answer it any way you want. Kenna Joe, let's start with you. What do you want next five years? So my goal is not attainable in the next five years. Probably not. Okay. No, All lot, right. Okay. Know. So let's say 10 years. But I definitely want to bring more treatment services, um, safe living for, for addicts looking for recovery in Franklin County. We don't have enough supply. There's definitely a lot more demand, you know, and um, and more detox options. You want to open detox. your own place, don't yes, you? Yes, I do. Put it and into the universe. Let's <laughs> manifest it. But, and I have a whole group of people I want to do this with. You okay. Know what I mean? Amazing people. Um, but in the next five years, I just want to continue to make an impact. You know, I just want to continue to help at least one person. Because mm-hmm. we come in contact with many, and we plant that seed. You know, we plant that seed. We might not get the results we want, but we plant that seed. But then with other ones, like, they're just flying. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so amazing to get to see the lives they're building and just see that light switch. Somebody just get it. Like that one the light small bulb moment. moment of, As I an educator, that. I get it. That's the light yes. bulb moment. You might wait all year for that darn light bulb moment. Yes. And then that sometimes is enough to carry you for another couple months. And of course, I want some kids to move out of my house eventually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, kids, too. if you're listening, move out. <laughs> Ryan, what's what's up for you? I know you've had like some like pretty big milestones lately just as you're really taking steps professionally. So what's on the horizon for you? Yeah, well, um, this month uh, I'll have two years sober <gasps> on the 15th. <laughs> And, and my probation will be finally over Yay. on the 15th. So huge. this is a good month. That's good. And uh, so I'll finally be free. When you're on probation, I mean, when you're staying sober, it's it's very simple. It was really hard when I first started it because I was trying to beat the system. <laughs> you know, I was trying to still get high and <laughs> still pass hey, drug tests. How'd that work out it for you? It didn't work out yeah, okay. It didn't work out at all. Uh, but thankfully, you know, I, I did get sober and um, – so uh, my goal the next five years would be, uh, of course, to stay sober. Okay, there we uh, go. <laughs> stay so, and I love what uh, Spiritual Solutions and Sullivan is a uh, sober living house that opened up, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been great. Yeah, I, I, uh, my brother, he got out of prison, and I helped get him in, and he's just excelling. You know, I, he's he's doing awesome, and all the guys there, they they fill up the meeting rooms. It's great, and. Uh, I would like to be able to do something like that. Open another one, you know. Well, cool. Okay. But uh, so we'll see. You know, one day at a time. One. D- that's it. One day yep. at a time. And I also believe in you too. If anybody can open a treatment facility that has wraparound and inpatient and outpatient, and then you're going to partner with Ryan and have a sober living facility in Franklin County and. A recovery taxi. I mean, if there's any two individuals <laughs> that can do it, seriously, you know, council people from Franklin County, if you're listening, like, you know, you you know the two people to make it happen. Uh, I am so grateful for each of you and 
I'll be honest, when we created this program, um, I should say when Jenny Armbruster wrote the grant for the program, I had no idea really what was going to come of it. Uh, and it has exceeded all of our expectations because of you two, because of Trisha, but because of you two. So you are saving lives every single day. And uh, it's, I, you know, I can't speak highly enough of the work that well, you're doing. Thank so. you. That means a lot coming from you. Yeah. You know, thank thank you. Great. Thank you for being here um, at The Preventable. And uh, you can join me anytime, y'all. Okay? Anytime. All right. If you want more with Ken and Joe and Ryan or you want more in-depth conversations that – I hope you have found inspiring because uh, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm leaving here today feeling pretty good about how things in the world are working. Um, if you like this, please consider rate, reviewing, and subscribing. Thank you so much, y'all. Thank you. Thanks for joining us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. PreventEd works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.